Hi, friends. I am so glad to be here with you today. My name is Katie, and I have the great privilege of continuing in our series of Daniel where we're talking about thriving under pressure. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about one of the most well-known stories in all of Scripture, Daniel 6, Daniel and the Lion's Den. No pressure, Katie, right? Like... I don't know how I got this one, but I'm really excited and a little nervous, Um, but I'm hopeful for what God has to teach us. My prayer and my hope has been that this familiar story uh, would become just new and fresh in our lives as we walk it out today. But first though, because we are one church that is stretched out across multiple locations and places, I wanna make sure that I welcome everybody. So if you are joining us from online or on TV, or if you are at one of our physical locations, I just want you to know that we see you and we love you and we are so grateful to be a part of this community with you. So I did say Daniel 6, Daniel and the lion's den, and I'm not one for suspense. So I wanna take us immediately right to the scripture that we're going to find really the peak of this story, and then we're gonna circle back around. All right, so we're gonna go to Daniel 6, verse 16. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you've served continually, rescue you. Dun, dun, dun. That's like in the movie where the drums start to play, you know? It's powerful and probably not helpful if you've not heard the story before that I'm starting there and then we're going to take like a road trip to get to where we're going. Um, But I have a question for you. Have you ever been in a lion's den? Any zoologist here? Maybe not. Um, So maybe not literally, but metaphorically, have you ever been in a lion's den? And what I'm really asking is, have you ever just been in a really hard, stressful situation where the cards were stacked against you and it felt like life just was not going to go the way you wanted? Maybe you were feeling betrayed or rejected. Maybe just feeling the heaviness. Um, I am pretty sure that because all of us here survived 2020, we could probably say yes. It definitely feels like we've been in a lion's den. Um, Well, Daniel was too, literally and figuratively, right? Um, And we can learn a lot from him. What we know is when we first started studying Daniel, um, a few chapters back, uh, he was taken from his homeland. He was in his mid-teens. He was forcibly removed and taken into exile in Babylon. We're now in Daniel chapter six, and he is an older man. He's in his 70s or 80s. And he has been living in this place that is not his home for many, many years. And if you've been a part of this series for the last few weeks, you know that he has experienced trial after trial after trial. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I consistently have to remind myself that the people we're reading about are real live humans, like they're people, like us. And so as I read it, I have a lot of questions that I ask as I study the word. Uh, And for one of them, uh, one of them for me, when I read the book of Daniel is after all of this time, he's nearing the end of his life, how does he keep going? Year after year after year, struggle after struggle after struggle. His life in Babylon was like 2020 on repeat, I feel like. When I read through it, I'm like, man, I'm exhausted just reading what's happening to you and what you're walking through. After all of this time, how does he keep going? And then I have to ask, How do we keep going when we're just feeling like the pressure is so overwhelming? How do we keep going? What can we learn from Daniel? We know that Daniel is nearing the end of his life. 
He's going to finish well. We've watched him lead with compassion and character all this time. And he's nearing the end of his life, and we're going to learn, spoiler alert, he keeps going strong and focusing on the Lord, and he's going to finish well. And so I have to ask, how do we finish well? I want to finish well too. And so as we walk through this, um, I hope that as we're walking through this very familiar story again, that we can just find some new things that encourage us and challenge us. I would say that the reason why Daniel is able to keep going, the reason why Daniel is able to finish well is because of resilience. He demonstrates resilience. I would contend that our resilience is a better testimony than our blessings. What we do under pressure is a powerful testimony of who God is and how powerful he is and how much he loves us. So I have to define it because I used to be a teacher and I also have teenagers. So I think it's really important that before we start talking about a word, we all know what it means and we agree on the meaning, right? Okay. Do you have teenagers? Okay. Um, This is a thing in our house. So resilience is really the ability to bounce back. It is to endure. It is to fall down, but get back up again. I, when I imagine it in my brain, resilience is like a human like stress ball, like, Ugh! and then, okay, right? We endure, we get back up, we bend, but we don't break. That is resilience. And way before pandemics and elections and 24-hour news cycles, life was hard. And after all of this, life will continue to be hard. And I want to fast forward us to James real quick. uh, The brother of Jesus in the book of James is writing to a group of new believers. Uh, They have just started following Jesus. And James wants to help them, one, know that stuff isn't always great. And two, encourage them uh, in in the trials. So as believers, we know that this, this world will have trials. So let's go to James. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. What I love about this is that this is 200 years after Daniel. We're going to learn a ton about perseverance and resilience through Daniel's story. We already have. But in James, he is speaking to these new believers and encouraging them. And one of the things that catches my eye is actually in the second line, whenever you face trials. James is very clear. He doesn't say if, he says when. Because trials are like cousins to death and taxes. Like we will always have them with us, right? We're all going to experience them. Joy, joy. He says, consider it though, pure joy, whenever you face trials. In the original language, in the original text, consider did not mean think about it or ponder it. It meant believe it to be true. Regard it as so. Change the way that you think so that you own that it is pure joy. Not think about it being pure joy. It is pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know He's telling us, remember that the trials, the testing of our faith produces perseverance. There's a payoff for it. It's switching the way that you think so that instead of saying something like, God, why is this happening to me? We say, God, what can you grow in me through this? God, how can you make me more like you in this? It's a powerful change of direction and thought process. And one of the beautiful things about it is that nothing is wasted with God. He doesn't waste any struggle or trial. He uses it for his good. 
So 200 years earlier, Daniel shares a similar message with us. We will face pressure and trial, but we can be resilient. So again, just to make sure that we all understand what resilience means, I want to have a little picture show and share with you some different examples of resiliency in our world today. We're framing it up, right? So the first example is a willow tree. These are magical. I don't know if you've ever been around one. They are just like fairy tale. I love willow trees. My parents have some at the pond uh, by their house, and we used to hide. <laughs> we used to hide under them when we weren't, so, you know, like when we were supposed to come in, whatever. Um, but I love them because they have such a such a deep, strong, complex root structure under the ground that you cannot even see. They're called the last tree standing after a storm. And I'm from Kansas, and I can tell you that they are really strong because we had some tornadoes, and those puppies are always still there. Uh, but they are resilient. They can bend, but they don't break because this, this root system, this structure that has, has grown year after year helps them to stay strong when the wind comes. The next example of resiliency is my two-year-old. Uh, well, he's almost two. He'll be two in March. So Sweet Bo, um, he's just a doll. And you see him here at the sink, right? So these are four of like one million pictures that I have taken of him at the sink because he is obsessed with the kitchen sink. He's obsessed with water. It actually, it's like a theme park to him, I feel like. He just loves it. And he likes to pretend to wash dishes. Um, the problem is our household has not had a toddler for six years, but we always have dishes in the sink. When you haven't had a toddler in the house for six years, you forget that like knives and forks and like glass things should not be in the sink, right? But we keep forgetting and he keeps climbing. And I just want to point out the third and the fourth picture. So he brings a chair. Oh, adorable. No, thank you, Bo. We're going to put the chair back. We can hide all of the chairs. And he found, um, so this is a sweet little shopping cart that he plays with. He found the sink. And then a cheese ball container. Like, he is resilient. This kid will get where he wants to go. Today, actually, I should tell you, full disclosure, he broke another glass. <sighs> it's fine. Um, he's resilient. He, he is um, unwavering in his passion for doing what he wants. Uh, the next example of a resilience thing, so three out of four, um, do you know what these guys are? They are Crocs. They have been around for decades and they will not go away, right? <laughs> so I, full disclosure, I have a pair. I actually have a pair in my office right now on the shelf. I don't wear them. I bought them, I wanted them, and then I hated them. But, well, actually, I was a high school teacher and I got made fun of, so I never wore them again because the kids were like, what are on your feet? But they won't go away, right? I think we pretend we don't love them, but people keep buying them. They uh, have changed the way they look. They've changed style. Um, they're all over the place. I have it in my office because it's to remind me that just because an idea seems bad doesn't mean it won't work. And I think that's important. But Crocs, they keep reinventing themselves over and over and over again. I think we're in like year 20 or 25 of Crocs, and they just keep coming. We also have, I want to show you a second picture of Crocs. Um, they now have Croc gloves, and I think it's important that you should all know that. Because I think it's important that we should speak out against them. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. He's not using any part of it. I don't understand. But Crocs have proven to be resilient year after year, decade after decade. They are right in front of you, and you're buying them, right? Because they keep coming. The last example 
of resiliency I'm going to show you. I could go on forever, actually, but I won't. Um, marathon runners, endurance athletes. How many of you are marathon runners? Bless. All right. Here we go. Fantastic. I see. You guys are like unicorns. You are amazing. And I don't understand you, but I'm wildly impressed because I've tried to be one. And then I say, no, thank you. I'll just cheer you on. Um, you don't decide one day that you're going to get like a 26.2 sticker and put it on your car, right? Like it takes months and years of preparation, months and years mentally and physically to do what you're supposed to do and bless you for it. Um, marathon runners are resilient. It takes a lot of starting over again and trying again and keep going, right? Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm just so wildly amazed by you. So those are some examples, real life examples. What about Daniel's resilience, right? Let's get to the, let's get to the story. Um, so I'm gonna set the stage. We know that Daniel, I, I already shared that he's in his uh, 70s, nearing 80, and he's been through a lot of changes. He has a new king. The king's name is Darius. Darius, like all kings, oversees a huge kingdom with many leaders. These like provincial governors, they're local leaders, they're called satraps. So he has all of those. And then to oversee all of those, he has three administrators, three leaders, and Daniel is one of them. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter six. We're going to start at verse three. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That's a big deal, by the way. Number two guy. Uh, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Daniel was resilient under pressure because he saw the big picture. Daniel is an exile who is about to become the number one guy in the kingdom. I don't know about you, but if I had a friend like that, I'd be like, that's amazing. That's amazing. You're amazing. You're extraordinary. You're the best ever. Daniel, however, remained humble and focused on what he was to do. You don't see him like going around going, hey, look at me. I'm about, I'm about to become the number two guy. He stayed humble. Um, the other thing that really boggles my mind in this is he worked with a bunch of goobers who hated his guts. And he didn't let that get in his way. Again, he stayed focused and humble. He didn't let the opinions of others change the way that he was behaving or what he was doing. He didn't let the, the honors and the accolades go to his head because he saw the big picture. The people around Daniel were climbing these ladders of power. In their minds, Babylon was like this bubble. It was the only thing that existed in the world. For Daniel, though, his map, his understanding of the world was so much bigger and so much deeper. He knew that the power struggles wouldn't last. He's seen this. If you've, again, if you've been studying with us, you know that this just, it's cyclical. Like the same thing keeps happening and Daniel stays focused on the Lord and what he's supposed to do. Uh, I want to take us to a place in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was also in exile during this time in Babylon. He's a prophet and he writes to the people of God, like Daniel, to encourage them. And I want to just give you a window of some of the things that Daniel might have been holding on to. So Jeremiah, we're going to go to uh, chapter 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. 
Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We're going to jump to verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Daniel is operating out of this belief and this understanding that God is with him and God is for him. And God is coming back for them. He's coming. He's going to make a way for them to go back home. Daniel longed for Jerusalem, but Daniel was faithful in Babylon. We, you and me, as followers of Jesus, we're called to long for heaven, but to be faithful right here, right now, and live God's way. To be resilient under pressure, we have to see the big picture too. So Daniel is pretty remarkable. These guys can find no fault with Daniel. They're looking for it, and they can't find it. They know that the only way they're going to be able to find any fault against him is through his faith, because of his faith. Remember that he doesn't belong there. He's in exile in this place. They go to this new king, and they talk him into a law that says for the next 30 days, if anybody prays to anyone or anything other than you, King Darius, they have to go to the lion's pit. And King Darius is like, "Hmm, sounds good, let's do that, and puts it in writing. This sounds familiar, right? A few chapters back, something similar. Uh, So let's see what happens. Uh, Daniel chapter six, we're gonna start at verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. That's so important. These men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. I don't like these guys. Um, So they went to the king and spoke to, they went to the king and spoke to him. All right, so uh, the second way that Daniel was resilient under pressure was that he had a routine. I don't know how many of you love routines and structure and calendars. I do, and I love them with highlights and stickers. I go all out. No computers here paper calendars, right? Daniel had a routine. Daniel was prepared. He was consistent. He was faithful. Consistency feeds resilience. Every day, three times a day, under pressure, not under pressure, Daniel turned his mind and his heart towards the city of God, just as he had done before. What's powerful to me is that he doesn't try to hide his faith, but he's not rubbing it in their faces either. Uh, Just like if you remember, he refused to eat certain foods when he moved to Babylon a few years before, many years before, he also takes another stand. We see here the second stand where he says, I'm not going to stop praying. I'll live here. I'll serve you. I'll honor you. I will not stop praying to my God. It's powerful. He prayed so much that even his enemies knew how faithful he was. To open the window and to go to the Lord was Daniel's first line of defense. So I did some math on a calculator Uh, If Daniel was 75 years old at that time and prayed three times a day, he would have prayed 82,125 prayers. That's amazing. For Daniel, praying was like breathing. One of my favorite authors, Margaret Feinberg, says, through prayer, we learn to make our home in God no matter what situation we are facing. 
Daniel shows us this in such a powerful way. Just like marathon runners, those unicorns, decide months in advance what they're going to do and what their goal is. Our daily routines have to reflect our priority. It's those small decisions every day that move us in the direction we need to go. Can you predetermine your responses to hard things just like Daniel did? It makes me think of mornings. I don't know how mornings are in your house. Um, I don't know who you live with or if you live alone. Um, I don't always love them. And I feel like it's really easy for us to go from like cheerful and looking forward to the day to it being like a weeping and gnashing of teeth situation where there's a lot of crying and yelling and stress. Um, one of the things that I have done and I would encourage you to do as we predetermine our responses is uh, maybe do more preparation the night before, set clothes out, get things ready, wake up a little earlier. And one of the things I'm determined to do in my house, if we start feeling that stress build in the morning, is to just stop, literally go, stop! Gather everybody up and pray and just ask God for help for the day. Because if we go out the door stressed, what on earth is the rest of it going to look like? Predetermine your day. When your spouse wants to talk about the finances, and you do not like to talk about this, the finances, um, instead of being defensive and angry, having a posture of openness saying, this stresses me out like crazy. So just be prepared. And walk into it honestly and authentically and with an open heart. When your coworkers or your classmates start to gossip or just start being mean, like those jerks that Daniel worked with, instead of joining in, maybe predetermine that when that kind of thing happens, you're gonna step in and you're gonna speak up and say, stop it. Or you're gonna walk away or change the subject. I don't know how bold you feel. I'd probably say, stop it in my mom voice. It's these seemingly small choices that help us develop a routine, just like the one that led Daniel to that window. Daniel saw the big picture and Daniel was consistent in his routine. So we're gonna keep going. So these men, after seeing Daniel, go back to the king and they remind him, hey king, do you remember that law that you just signed? And the king's like, yeah, I remember that law that I just signed. So they drop the bomb. Well, your precious Daniel defied you. He still prays three times a day to his God. You have to throw him in the lion's den. So King Darius obviously likes Daniel. He's making him his number two guy. He reluctantly seals Daniel's fate. So let's take a look at what Daniel responds. Daniel 6, 16. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So there we go, lion's den. Series after series of highs and lows. I don't know how you feel about pressure and change and disruption in life. I don't know if you love it and you seek it or you totally dread it. Um, I used to be a teacher and I'm also a mom and we encounter a lot of road bumps and um, like changes in behavior that need to happen and changes of thinking that need to happen. And so we utilize something called a social story technique. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, you might wanna use it. It's helpful for everyone, especially if you have pictures. And I'm gonna share one with you right now that might help. So for instance, Bo loves to pull our dog's tail and poke him in the eyes. And I really don't mean to pick on Bo a lot, 
but uh, he's almost two and he's giving us a lot of stuff to work with right now. So, and he doesn't get upset when I talk about him uh, during a message, so here we go. So this is a social story. This is our dog, Teddy. Teddy is our dog. He likes to be pet. He likes to sleep. Teddy loves to eat people food. Teddy does not like it when Bo pulls his tail or pokes his eyes. This makes Teddy sad or tries to eat him. <laughs> I will be kind and gentle to Teddy and he will be my happy friend. And that's true. Teddy really likes to not be touched by Bo. <laughs> so would a social story help Daniel for what's going to happen next? Let's see. Hear me out and we'll see. Daniel lives in Judah. Daniel likes Judah. Daniel will be taken away by a dangerous foreign power. He will live in a new house in a new country. Daniel will do well and get a great job. Daniel's friends will be jealous. Daniel will be fed to lions. So probably for the best that he didn't know what was coming, I don't think it would have reassured him. But he knew that it would be inevitable. It had been his whole life and he was ready. He was prepared. He was always prepared because he was focused on the big picture and he was committed to routines that brought him to the Lord. What about you? Would a social story help you? Would you want to hear one for your life? I'm not sure there's any social story to prepare us, but because of God, we can find a way through the hard stuff, just like Daniel and just like James and so many others. In the midst of our troubles, God is there. God is there. So back to the story. King Darius is just brokenhearted. We know he didn't sleep a wink that night, and at the first sign of daylight, he rushes out to check on Daniel. And obviously, God is so good and so big, and we know that God rescued Daniel from death, which is a huge part of the story. Growing up, that was it, and I went, that's fantastic. Go God. Thank you for rescuing Daniel from those lions. As I grow older, I find that the window is actually the crux of this story for me, Daniel's faithfulness. The other thing that I find to be the crux of this story is that God rescues Daniel and praise God because he's the only one that could have done it. But King Darius's heart is changed. It is transformed because of the miracle that God performed and because of the commitment to the Lord that Daniel showed over and over and over again. Let's go to Daniel 6. We're going to read 26 through 27. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Amen. Daniel's resilience brought others to God. Your resilience can bring others to God. In a world of change and disruptions, God is unchanging. His love, his promises, your salvation through him. Just like Daniel, our resilience can be a powerful testimony that brings others to God. That physical manifestation of faith for Daniel was a window. What about you? There is a window for us too. But if we're not careful, we become really forgetful people. We forget about the unchanging things. We forget about the eternal things. When we wake up in the morning already worn out, when we're hurting from a loss, at the end of a stressful day, or even and especially maybe when things are just going really smooth, we forget. 
we must run to the, the window and remember our true home and our true identity. So what is your window? Uh, I love that um, Daniel did not have the New Testament. Like, he, did not, he had what he was remembering from when he was a child. We have the privilege of having the whole of Scripture at our fingertips, the roadmap. We have prayer, just like Daniel did. We have community, just like groups that are starting soon. We have the opportunity to be a part of a body together, growing and learning. What is your window? It could be a quiet and dedicated space in your house, maybe someplace in the hills, on a hill in the hills. <gasps> that would be fun. Maybe a favorite chair or in your car. But where do you go? Do you have a routine set up that when life is going well, so that when life gets hard, you're ready? My prayer is that if you don't already have a place like that, that you would spend some time this week just asking the Lord for help. God, how can I, in the middle of a crazy day, predetermine that when good things and when bad things come, I'm going to go to you? We want to keep going. We want to finish well. Is the way we're structuring and organizing our life leading us to the Lord, just like Daniel? Uh, so if you already have that, if you already have those windows in your life, maybe you can spend some time this week helping somebody else find theirs so that we can be resilient like Daniel, so that we can keep going and that we can finish well. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for the way that you over and over and over again through scripture remind us that we are yours and that you are so big and that you love us so much and that you are capable of anything and everything. God, I thank you and praise you that in your kingdom, Lord, nothing is wasted. You take every hurt and every trial and God, you, you make it for good. God, thank you for that. Father, I just pray that um, as we continue to learn about Daniel and we are inspired and encouraged, Father, I pray that you would help us um, to not just say that we want uh, to keep going and say that we want to end well and finish life well. God, I pray that you would help us to put stakes in the ground, Lord, and commit to living a life that exudes that type of hope and faith. God, help us help each other. Help us connect to your word and to prayer and in community with other believers, Lord. Help us to be um, intentional about it so that when storms come, just like the willow tree and just like Bo's strong will, Lord, we can be resilient. And through the trial, we can become more like you and more like who you have made us to be. God, we love you and we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen.